Welcome to our podcast, Doing It Right. This podcast reveals authentic stories from successful leaders doing it right. It's about their journey to become a leader, their choices, motivations, and lessons. In essence, how they built successful personal brands. Your host is Valerie Sokolowski, author of eight leadership books and nationally known as an authority on executive presence and personal branding. Let's get started. Here's Valerie. Okay, so let's play 20 questions. Well, maybe not 20. How about three? Okay, be ready to answer. Here we go. What is the most irreverent airline that was run by a fun-loving jokester? That's one. Two, what airline treats passengers like cattle and they love it? And three, what airline encourages flight attendants to sing in rap the flight regulations for the trip? I think you guessed it. Southwest Airlines, right? Well, that airline was started in 1967 by a scrappy lawyer named Herb Kelleher and a businessman named Roland King, and they just defied the industry. They did it right. Um, I found a woman today that I'm so thrilled to be on the show for two reasons. First of all, Rita Bailey was there for 25 years and now has started something incredible in her second journey. So, Rita, welcome. Thank you. Welcome. I'm so excited to be here. 25 years. 25 years. You I was only six or seven. <laughs> yeah. I find myself saying that a lot. Yeah. You know, um, so a little bit about you that I can brag and you can tell me more about. You uh, not only were there for 25 years, but you had a lot of different roles, and one of them was director of uh, the University for People. You, didn't you start that, their university? So uh, before I became the director, it was a, a training group with a small, you know, a maybe four or five people uh -huh. and so when I came into that position I had the opportunity to create what was then in vogue universities corporate universities corporate universities so we basically went from three four people to 36 six years later mm. so it was, it was an exciting time it really was well when you were there whether it was during that time or any time what was in in the roles that you did have what was your favorite role there? I would say, well, it's hard because they each had, you know, I learned sure. so much. Uh, the two I would say was marketing. I was in marketing for 12 years there. And I moved through the ranks from a sales representative going out and making calls and convincing people they should fly Southwest <laughs> to, uh, yeah. So I worked my way up to the director of sales and marketing. and. That was exciting because obviously we were working with the external customers and promoting Southwest and uh, it was just fun. And then uh, the University for People. I mean, mm. to have an opportunity to grow something and build it from virtually the 
ground up and it was uh, brick and mortar we acquired yeah remember yeah. Uh, when Brana Fair lines people oh, probably yeah. don't even remember that I name. remember Brana but they uh, the old hangar that was there uh, or their terminal mm-hmm. it was dormant for years and so we took it over uh, with the hopes or with the intent that later it would become gate space for Southwest, which it is now. Mm. Uh, however, when we got it, it was abandoned and just nothing. I mean, mm. it looked like an, something out of an old horror movie. Yeah. Uh, 40,000 square feet. And to be given the opportunity to say transform this into a university for our employees was just an amazing, amazing thing. When was this? Uh, so that was around 1995-96. So that's when, as you said, corporate universities were becoming thin. Now all companies have oh, their yes. corporate universities. Right. What was the biggest challenge uh, in in doing that for you? So it was aligning it with the culture so that our employees knew that this was for them and that's mm-hmm. why we called it the university for, for people. people that's different of uh, yeah. the name of our hr department had been changed by uh then our vp of hr ann rhodes who came in and had a whole different idea about what hr should be and she changed the name to the people department and so the university was part of the people department, so we called it the University for People. Weren't you the first company uh, that, I, I just remembered that yeah. I heard, okay, HR is the people department. We and, were one of the first. I think maybe uh-huh. FedEx had uh, that concept as well. But, Isn't that interesting? Uh, but it, we were one of the, fir- the pioneers and the one that stuck. <laughs> That's so fascinating. You know, I... Um, uh, you know this. <clears throat> I wrote for ten years for the Southwest Airlines magazine, and Rita. During that time, when I met some of the executives, including you, I always heard stories not only from the leaders there about Herb Kelleher, the Herb <laughs> Kelleher stories, and but also from flight attendants when I flew Southwest, still do, uh, and for employees. I'm curious, what's your story? What's your Herb Kelleher story? Well, there's some I probably can't share. (laughs) Give us one you can. I remember when we uh, opened Las Vegas, when I was in sales and marketing, we would go into a new market and uh, do what we called a blitz. And that was to just, you know, let everybody know we were there. And so uh, Herb was with us on that trip and I remember at the airport he was always so helpful he wanted to pick up our luggage and a gentleman a gentleman mm-hmm. but he picked up our luggage the luggage didn't make it to the hotel <laughs> and so oh. Herb is like delivering luggage to our to our rooms you know <laughs> as it came in <laughs> because it had been misplaced somehow so <laughs> It was always a fun time with her, always. And, you know, he never was beyond what I know about him and and uh, uh, from many stories, is that he was never beyond rolling his sleeves up, never schlucking the luggage, or serving breakfast uh, at, at one of your hubs and so forth. And, gee. Well, a- he definitely, I think he was the consummate leader mm-hmm. because he modeled what leadership should be Mm -hmm. you know so many organizations and i'm sure you have this too they'll 
They'll say people are our most valuable asset. <laughs> well, I don't Show think, me. I don't think we're an asset. I mean, I don't think we, people are owned. But, but I know the intent behind that is that our people are the most important thing. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, mm-hmm. when you get into some of these organizations, you find that that's not the case. It's more said. the the PR or mm-hmm. what they want people to believe, but people don't have that experience. And mm-hmm. people believe what they experience. That's true, Not what you it? tell them. Mm-hmm. And I can honestly say for the 25 years I was with Southwest, and even now, because mm-hmm. uh, I'm still a loyal customer, it the experience was amazing. Uh, mm-hmm. And it yeah, was great. genuine, it was authentic. It was real. real. It was real. Authentic. It was real. Mm-hmm. And I think it, it's because of the leadership. Her, it personified his personality. Boy, it really so. did. We miss him terribly. Yes, we do. But we've still got Southwest and we're Oops. both still, still reading it. <laughs> I, um, I was curious, one more question about Southwest, then I want to hear about what you're doing now. <laughs> In the tours that you had where companies from all over the world, Mm -hmm. Rita, would come uh, and just see what was going on. And I remember Colleen Barrett was so gracious in allowing me to come Mm -hmm. uh, when I was writing for the magazine. And what she showed me was all along the walls were all these pictures. And she pointed out that these pictures were from different departments, but anyone could just plop a picture up there or take it down, and so you might walk by Department A, and here's a whole bunch of pictures, but the next time you walked by Department A, they would be changed. Somebody had a baby, they put their baby up, and so forth. And I never forgot that because <laughs> I thought, now that's real. That's real. Absolutely. Um, and so. When companies from different parts of the world would come over and see the culture and feel it and touch it and go through the tours, do you know if any company, and if they did, what did companies do? What did they take back and actually implement? I remember specifically, uh, well, because we had thousands of people come over about four or five years that we would have what we refer to as culture days. Culture days. Yes, and uh, we at the university would host those. And we'd have upwards of 250 plus people come Mm -hmm. every quarter. It was amazing and we didn't advertise or solicit this. Mm. It was strictly word of mouth. And there were uh, people from all over, but there was one in particular that I remember because I built a longer term relationship with them. And at the time he was with a, upstart company called what if and they were from the uk Hmm. and he was fascinated by the culture and the fact that we were one of the best companies to work for and Mm -hmm. he was trying to identify companies in the u.s that met that criteria and so as a result of him coming he started bringing uh european companies to the u.s and southwest was his premier company that he would always tour and this was prior to 9-11 when it was a little more open to Uh come in and and do those tours Mm -hmm. but as a result those companies multiple companies from the UK would go back and implement the people practices because they saw that it was authentic Mm-hmm. And the UK is not known for being people-centric in the same <laughs> sense as America, because oftentimes you would hear, 
well, you can do that in America, but we can't do that in the UK. And they were out to prove, the people who came on this tour were out to prove that that wasn't so. People are people. Mm-hmm. And Isn't they really true? genuinely, they want the same thing. Mm-hmm. They want to feel valued. They want to know that they have the opportunity for growth. They want to know that they matter and they have a voice. Sure. And that's, it's really that simple. I remember Colleen once saying to someone who asked her a question because they were really pushing her on metrics and, well, how do you measure this and how do you know? And she took a long draw of her cigarette and she said, we just know. And it was primarily because we were so involved and we walked around and we were close to our people. And so we didn't have to do a lot of metrics in order to find out if it was working. Mm. It works when you care about people and you show them. Like our freedom campaign was around giving our customers the freedom to fly, to go, to see, to do. But the internal campaign was freedom begins with you. And so that really captures the essence of what, you know. Begins with you. It begins with you. And for those who may or may not know, uh, Colleen Barrett and Herb were like just joined at the hip. She was his secretary when it first started, and and they later pretty, became president, and yes. later became emeritus. Yes, and now she's president emeritus. And yes, still um, still involved. Still involved. Yes. yes. Well, it was a wonderful culture. Now, let's, and it still is, <laughs> and it still is. Yes, is a wonderful culture. So. Uh, how did you go from that? First of all, why did you leave? <laughs> well, 25 years, and you know, it's a hard decision because over time, uh, at the time I had three grandchildren and my mother was starting to, you know, her health was starting to fail. Oh. I was in a new relationship and 25 years I was able to leave with my flight benefits and with the party and and it you just sort of know when it's time to to move and I think sometimes people hold on to something too long and there were people there who were what I call institutionalized that (laughs) when it becomes your entire life it's like there is nothing else other than this organization Mm -hmm. and that a lot of people are in that situation now. And so I just thought it's it's time, and if I'm gonna do anything else or spend time with my grandchildren, with my family, that this would be a good time to do it. And leave it at the top of your game, right? The university was doing well. We had a wonderful staff. As a matter of fact, Elizabeth Bryant, who was hired as one of our facilitators, is now running the corporate university, and she's a vice president. So uh, it's just great to see people who you know have grown up and had the opportunity to continue to develop and carry on what we started. So blessed, very yes. blessed. Very you were blessed. blessed. Yes. So I always ask you to leave your teachable points of view, and that's one of them leave at the top of your game is Mm -hmm. that what you said yes and be ready to move on when you know it's time to move on yes so that leads to (laughs) what what are you doing now (laughs) well you know i i had the thought that i would retire and i have since 
sort of put that word aside because I <laughs> rewire, don't, I rewire, rewire, not retire. There is, I don't know yeah. many people who retire truly oh. and do nothing. And so I really didn't know what I was going to do. And my Henry kept saying, you know, it's not so much about what you want to do, but it's how you want to be. And oh, I like that. It took me about five years. I, mm-hmm. Okay, so I'm a slow learner in some cases. Well, you but, probably <laughs> relaxed a little bit, too, in well, between. I, I try to, but it's hard when you've been doing all your life. Sure. And we tend to gravitate toward those things we're comfortable with. And it's mm-hmm. like, well, I can do speaking. I can do marketing. I can do, do, do. And he kept saying, how do you want your life to be? And... I, it just took me a while to settle. Because when you think about it, we are human beings, not doings. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I, over time, I thought, well, I don't know. So I'm going to experiment. You know, I'm going to spend the time with family, with friends. But I'm also going to step out of my comfort zone. Mm-hmm. Because I was somewhat insulated within the Southwest bubble. And I wanted to get out and explore. So... I, and it's when you're in flow, things just sort of come to you. So I had the opportunity to co-author a book called Destination Profit with a colleague. Is it still out there? It's still out there, Destination yes. Profit. Okay. Destination Profit. And uh, then I started being asked by people that I knew externally who had come to our culture days mm-hmm. if I would come and speak to their company. Because there was this sort of a thought of, I want to be the next Southwest Airlines of, you fill in the blank, right? (laughs) Banking, technology, you know, whatever the company is. And I guess I took for granted what I had experienced because to me it was a way of life. But to others who were looking in, Mm -hmm. they thought, oh my gosh, you know, how do you do that? So I went out on the speaking circuit and I did mainly keynotes to start. But what, as a result of that, people would say, well, that's all great, but how do you do this? How do you make it happen? (laughs) Show us. Show us. So then, of course, the consulting, right? And then following the coaching and Mm -hmm. workshops and all, and it just sort of happened organically. And it was across all genres. I've worked with nonprofit, government, education, uh, for-profit, because it really doesn't matter. It people, doesn't. People are people, right? That's right. And regardless of the organization, they basically still want the same thing. Mm-hmm. They want to uh, set themselves apart. And when you think about it, price doesn't really set you apart. You know, we could no. have competed at Southwest on price. Uh, we could have competed. I mean, an airplane is an airplane, right? You, a lot of people fly 737s. Uh, but it was the people. Mm-hmm. And I know that sounds cliche, but it really... No, it's true. It really is the people who make the difference. And mm-hmm. how you treat those people will determine how they treat your customers. And so that's ingrained in me. I find myself, even when I travel, and you may do this too, uh, I'm always critiquing, you know, the (laughs) level of service. And and I'm asking that waitress or that person behind the desk or that that bellhop, you know, what, what do you like about working here? You know, how do they treat you? And what's really amazing is people tell you the truth they do and you can pretty much tell how they are being treated by the level of service they're giving so uh it's it's been fascinating i am 
fascinated by people in general and people of all cultures. I've traveled to probably almost 40 countries now. Oh my goodness. Had that opportunity and I never thought this little girl from St. Louis, Missouri would have the opportunity to Isn't that great that you can do that? Yeah, see and do amazing things and with amazing people. Well, so how are you taking that now to this next level of a business called? (laughs) Up to something. I love that. Up to something. (laughs) Up to something. How did you come up with that name and what is it? Well, I'll give you the quick story. Uh, I was invited several years back by a friend of mine to join a a small group of 10, 12 people. And they were calling themselves the Up to Something group, primarily because (laughs) they would just get together every month and talk about what they were up to. And Uh I thought, well, that's kind of fun. But, you know, we're so used to labeling things like, well, is this a mastermind group? Or is this, you know, what type of group and what are we going to learn? And they were like, no, we're just going to talk. And whatever you want to talk about, if you want to talk, and it's just about what you're up to. Hmm. So fast forward, she looked at me one day, uh, several years into it. I've been in the group probably about 10 years. And she said, you know, so many people were curious about this and they want to know more and how they can start an up to something group. So why don't we make this a business? And so my dear friend Dottie Gandy and I, we we did. We actually formalized it into a partnership business and started doing workshops and interviewing people and started even writing a book about it. And uh when her husband then had Alzheimer's, she said, mm. I need to become a full-time caregiver. Mm. And uh, so I took on the business and up to something's been kind of growing up. You know, it's been trying to decide what it <laughs> wanted to be. And it's so, it's interesting because up to something is so nebulous anyway. And so, but where we've landed is, and it always has been around helping people eliminate their message and share uh, their passion with the world of what is important to them. It's that thing you must do. You cannot not do it. Mm. And when you find that, it's like gold, right? Mm -hmm. When you just know in your heart, I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. So that's how we define an up to something person, because everybody's up to something, but not always up to something good, right? So this is about following your passion and you would be an up to something person. You are definitely doing it right because I, for the years that I've known of you and known you, it's been about following that passion. Mm-hmm. So the up to something, we are transitioning and transforming now into a platform, a audio visual platform for people to share their messages. And so mm, we're starting it with I two see. podcasts that are launching this week, as a matter this of fact. This very week. This very week. So here, Congratulations. first announcement. The first one is a passion of mine, and it's uh, about being a grandparent. I have four extraordinary grandchildren that I'm very proud of. And uh, people love to talk about their grandchildren. So you can have grandmothers on, grandfathers so grandmothers, on. Grandmothers, grandfathers, uh parents talking Mm -hmm. about their Mm -hmm. parents who are their grandparents Um, and it's called Grand Chronicles Grand Chronicles that resonates just really quickly so much for me because I was raised by a grandmother I didn't have parents I of course had parents but they didn't raise me my grandmother raised me until she passed when I was 11 
and those early years I mean, you talk about having Absolutely. stories. Yes. Uh, that's, that's, I love that one. What's the other one? We'll have to have you on the show. I to would talk love about to talk that. about that. You bet. <laughs> and the other one is called Life Disrupted. <laughs> now, go figure, right? What's that about? <laughs> is there anyone out there who could not think of a time where their oh. life hasn't been disrupted? Goodness, yes. Uh, and it's usually we think of it in terms of, what's happened to us, right? Our circumstances. Sure. We lost that job. We lost a loved one. Um, you know, the children left, you know, to negative, go off Negative, negative. Negative, mm-hmm. Disruption has a negative connotation. Mm-hmm. But we also hear disruption now in the media. It's in the media a lot, right? Because of the Airbnbs and the Ubers and these companies that have disrupted themselves and disrupted industries. Mm-hmm. And so we as peep individuals, why can't we disrupt ourselves? And Great concept. <laughs> so it doesn't have to be negative. I think when you're stuck or when you know that it's time to move on, it's time to disrupt and it doesn't have to be some major you know chaotic Mm. you know uh, negative thing it can just be small moves but Mm. things that will move you forward give me an example brita so i was listening to a, a gentleman who was doing a webinar recently and he talked about wanting to have a certain position. He wanted to be a managing director. Mm-hmm. And that he went to school for it, he studied, he did all the right things on his job, and he kept getting passed over for promotions. But when they offered him the opportunity for this title, mm-hmm. it required a relocation. Mm-hmm. And he kept resisting that. And because he didn't want to uproot his family, take them out of school, they love their community, and so forth. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure there are a lot of people who can relate to that. You bet. He finally decided one day, maybe I'm getting what I asked for. I'm just the block, right? So he decided to make the move and ended up in Louisville, Kentucky, and uprooted his family and got the title. And he said it was the best move that he ever made because it was, Hmm. his children were flourishing in school. His wife didn't have to work anymore. And he loved his job. They had a great community. And how many people are missing their blessings because Mm -hmm. they have their plan. Their plan. (laughs) Their plan. Life looks like this. Yes. Not really, not always. Exactly. And I think that, you know, it's it's important to have goals and Mm -hmm. to have a plan. But I think we also have to know when it feels hard, you usually are not in flow. That's another point of view. When it feels hard, you're usually not in flow. I have to think about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because think. Mm-hmm. Of, I think if we all think back to yep. the things that have happened that were life-changing for us, mm-hmm. that even though it may have not been easy, it didn't feel like we were pushing the rock uphill. You know, you didn't take that two steps forward to take mm-hmm. five back. Mm-hmm. It just felt like sense. you were steadily moving forward and or something was pulling you into it uh-huh. even though you might fear it it still it felt right it I just like felt that. right and so right. i think if we really reflect and we focus we can 
see that. But sometimes we're so clouded by our own mm -hmm. self-talk, mm -hmm. our own judgment of ourselves or what other people say or think that we miss the opportunities. I've always said, I want to live my life with no missed opportunities and mm -hmm. no regrets. How many people on their deathbed, you know, or they know someone who has... I wish been, I did. I wish I had mm -hmm. done it. I wish I had done it. And mm -hmm. I just never wanted to be that person. <laughs> I thought, live it now. Even though it might be scary, do it anyway. Yeah. Right? I, Rita, there's a, um, uh, <clears throat> on that note, there's a, a book that I read not long ago called What If? And it's all about that. What if, then what? kind of thing uh, so I get that I totally get that so what else in closing what else can you share from your life's experiences that um, might be wisdom additional wisdom <laughs> there are a couple there are two things that I, I, I like to uh, think about and one is because I do think fear is paralyzing yes. and most of you know most people that we uh, talk to they want certain things and really the only thing stopping them is themselves uh, mm -hmm. and so we can make excuses for all the other reasons that we are not stepping into that opportunity mm -hmm. but it really comes down to our own personal fear so I challenge people and I ask if you were just 20 percent bolder just 20 percent mm -hmm. you know the 80 20 rule sure. uh, what would be different in your life Rita, would you mind commenting on your title, uh, Apostle of Freedom? <laughs> oh, good I, question. I Somebody dear, wants to know yes. that. I have a dear friend that uh, she she once told me, she said, you know, what you, the work that you do is your ministry. And I never thought of it in that oh, way. Okay. And so she said, you're like an apostle of freedom. And I said, really? And she said, because you do liberate people. You give them the opportunity. You give them truth and permission uh -huh. to really fully be who they are and be their best self. Oh, Rita, and that's so lovely. It's the first time I've actually said this publicly, you know, because I thought it was such a neat title. Awesome. And, you know, you can be author and speaker and facilitator and trainer and all those other uh -huh. things. But to be an apostle of freedom, <laughs> that has, that's, really, that's bold, isn't that's it? That's <laughs> bold. That's bold. And I think what you said as a as a uh, experience or wisdom if you just had did 20% more bold something 20% bolder what would your life be like yeah anything else um, what about that quote we were talking about before the show started uh, yeah I you know in my life uh, I've always thought first you know we go to school and we we prepare ourselves and we go into the system and people pay you for what you do true you know it's about doing to and then as you evolve and as you gain the wisdom that we've talked about then i think you're paid or acknowledged for what you know mm -hmm. it's and that's what we're doing here we're sharing our knowledge mm -hmm. but i think there's a third level and i think it be it's when you get to a point where just the essence of who you are people pay and acknowledge you for who you are that's oprah status okay so i'm working on that <laughs> But That's I do think that uh, if we have that mindset, because then you move into the legacy state mm -hmm. of, as I leave this earthly world, what do I leave behind? Mm. What do I want people to say? And they're not going to say, well, she worked a whole lot, you know, <laughs> <laughs> who 
cares, right? It's it's who you were, how you made them feel. It's uh, what you contributed to the world in general and to people, right? That's so. so true. Rita, you've been a wonderful guest. You've Thank you. You've left us with so Aww. many prophetic things and uh, pieces of wisdom. All right. Give us the name again of your two podcasts that start this week. Yes. Grand Chronicles okay. and Life Disrupted. And you'll find those on the Up to Something platform, which is uptosomething.com. I'm sure everyone can remember up to something, right? I think that's just great. Thank you, Valerie. Oh, you're so welcome. And I will be listening to them, and I'd love to be a guest. Won't that be fun? Thank you. So until next time, we're also going to have a delightful guest uh, next Monday. It will be a woman named Susan Posnick who has a delightful and very different national cosmetic line, and she'll be talking about why she came up with it and how she is doing it right. So in the meantime, if you're interested in any more information about what we do in our training and development company, you can go to www.valerieandcompany.com. And when you're there, please be sure and sign up for our monthly quick, easy read newsletter called Valerie's Voice. That's www.valerieandcompany.com. Until next time, like Rita is doing so well, keep doing things right. Bye for now. Thanks for listening. To receive Valerie's Voice, free monthly leadership tips, and to learn more about her leadership programs and coaching, visit her website, valerieandcompany.com. Next week, we'll be here again to inspire, engage, and equip you with teachable points of view from successful leaders who have been doing it right. Until then, lead authentically.